This is Courage Cast. Faith, inspiration, and motivation for today. Hey, everybody. This is Eric Nordoff, and you're listening to The Courage Cast. I uh, am so excited. I love when I get to do interviews, and this is one of those times when I get to sit with um, someone who has an amazing story, an amazing background, and um, is doing something bigger than herself, literally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I want to welcome Tamara Fike. Tamara, welcome to The Courage Cast. Thank you, Eric. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So what was funny was um, we got connected through a mutual friend and we realized that we already knew each other uh, about 20 years ago. Back in our days, we went to the same church and that was crazy. We did. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So it was fun. So it's really fun to reconnect and see what God is doing in your life today. So, so Tamara, um, I, you know, first of all, I want you to talk about what you're doing currently, uh, what, what, what big project you're working on. Uh, explain that to me. Okay. So I'm working on a project called love in a big world. And this project started about 20 years ago when we were at the same church together. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we are currently, and I'm sure we'll get into that history, but where yes. we are currently is launching a character education movement for kids and families across the ecosystem of their lives. So we have curriculum available that can be used both in church settings and community settings and can be used with kids kindergarten through eighth grade using literacy stories to teach them about how to make wise choices about what they do and say. That's awesome. I love that. Everybody needs that. Um, And uh, what age group is it for typically? Kindergarten through eighth grade. So that's about five-year-olds to 14-year-olds. Okay. So if anybody listening has uh, children in that age group, that's where this is targeted. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I do. I've got a little daughter that's eight. So okay. So this will be really, good. really good. Okay. So, so Tamara, why are you why, what led you to start love in a big world, love in a big world.com is where everyone can learn about it more about it. And we'll talk about it again, but I just kind of wanted to kind of backtrack now, if you want to 20 years from (laughs) today and where where this all kind of was rooted. Okay. Um, and I'll try to condense the story. We've got Uh, time. So no condensation is needed. You just, you just go. Okay. So, um, in 1996, I was fresh out of college at Belmont. I was an undergrad at Belmont and I was starting to do some substitute teaching in area schools here in Nashville. And I was really drawn to the urban community. I had done some work while I was in college at a local after school program. And, um, that was focused in the urban center as well. And I just fell in love with the kids. And what really connected for me was looking back at my growing up years. I I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in a multicultural church, Covenant Church of Pittsburgh with Bishop Mm -hmm. Joseph Garlington. Mm -hmm. And we were centered in Wilkinsburg, which is a, a kind of suburb of Pittsburgh, but still very urban. And so my, my normal was multiracial. 
experience. And my mom and dad, even um, at one point while I was growing up, brought a a girl into our home because we had home groups. We had small groups. And um, one of the girls, she was about four at the time, her mom and dad were in a pretty dire situation and they needed a safe place for her to live for a while. So Jessica came home to be with us. And that, I was about 14. And that experience, that cross-cultural experience, because she was an African-American girl living with an all-white family for a period of time at this multicultural church. And that cross-section of life greatly impacted me mm. and, and and gave me a heart for kids, for one, and then gave me a heart for the marginalized. Mm. Um, so then fast forward when I'm in college, I'm working at the center doing after-school programming, Fast forward a little bit more, I start substituting and I'm, I'm working in um, the areas where most of the kids were living in public housing. So a, lot, a, a large um, population of these kids was in poverty. And we'd have these incredible conversations at the end of the day before we're dismissed. Mm-hmm. And we'd start talking about life. And I, I'm a singer, so I would tell them, too, that, you know, throughout the day, I'd say, if you're good for me, I'll sing for you before you leave. Mm-hmm. And so we'd have these, we'd have these conversations about, uh, about the choices that they were making and tying it to music. And it was just kind of this really organic way to unlock their hearts, because the arts does that for yeah. all of us. Yeah. And, and so it would be a springboard into conversation about their, their life choices and came to found out come to find out, find out that a lot of these kids, um, had the mindset that they wouldn't live past the age of 21 mm. be- because what they were seeing in their neighborhood was violence and death. And so to, to have these conversations with them and say, no, you know, God had, well, I couldn't say God cause I'm in a public school, but to speak God's truth in kind of a covert way and say, no, you have a future and you do have a hope. And to declare that over them um, just really inspired me to start working more in those communities. Mm. So in 96, Love in a Big World was born. And we started providing assembly programs. So again, using music as a springboard for opening kids' hearts to these larger conversations about life. Mm. And so I'd have a team of people. We'd go into the public schools. We actually worked in about... Um, 10 different states reaching about 500,000 kids over a 13 year period. And, um, along with the musical programs, we had curriculum, we had teacher training. So a whole host of, of services that we could provide to public schools and youth organizations. Mm. And interestingly enough at that time, especially in the early days, I thought I had all the answers. <laughs> I, yeah. Wait, you and didn't? I thought at that age, at that age, we always think we know everything. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. And I look back and I'm, I'm kind of, um, embarrassed at the bravado of my younger self because I really thought that I had life all figured out. Mm. And, um, and I was living in the suburbs at the time. And I would drive into the city and it was, hey, I'm the white woman from the suburbs who's going to save these poor black children living in the city. I mean, and that sounds really ugly, but that's how ugly it really was. And um, 
But on the, on the one hand, I will tell, I will say this. I never want to squash or squelch a young person like in their 20s today. You know, like you don't No. you love that about that's mm-hmm. what you that's what's wonderful is that we think that we can, you know, change the world. Yes. I think for me, it was the arrogance that coincided with that passion. Got it. And I didn't even realize that that I was that arrogant. And it wasn't until um, many years later that I had moved into the city. I was living in the Edgehill community, which now is pretty gentrified, but at the time was um, not. And I, again, had this idea, you know, I'm going to I'm going to save this neighborhood. Mm. And one of the neighbors who had lived there for much longer than I had said, you know, it's not about that, Tamara. It's about just being faithful Mm. and just being a neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had to unlearn this um, rescuer mentality that a lot of times we adopt as believers Mm. and just find out what it means to live in and among my neighbors. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, I think in a lot of ways that's harder than it is to go in and be the hero for the day, you know, to, to just really, how, how do you engage in life with your elderly neighbor across the street? What, how can I show her the love of Jesus? Mm. Or how do I interact with the kids who are next door to me? How can I show them the love of Jesus? Because there's no glamor in that. Yeah. Nobody sees it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then fast forward a few more years and, um, life fell apart for me. So I ended up, this was about 2008, ended up, um, in the midst of a divorce. Wait, I didn't even know you got married. Oh yeah. I was married. Like I was married when I moved to Nashville. So oh, I was okay. actually married when we were all at church together. Oh, so, okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yep. Yep. So, you know, 2008 life fell apart divorced, uh, you know, we had adopted three kids. And so there's just lots of fallout. Wow. Yeah. Simultaneously, um, we were going through as a country, the, the recession. And so funding for the nonprofit love in a big world just dropped. Mm. And so here I was going, Oh my gosh, I'm just a failure. Mm. There, like, everything that I've done has fallen apart. And, um, it was in the midst of that brokenness that I came to understand that God loves me not for what I do, but just for who I am. Mm. And for about seven years, honestly, Mm. he put me up on the shelf and just um, has done a rework in my heart. And it's like being born again, again, Mm. and spent a lot of time with people who understand the importance of doing the hard work of letting Jesus into those dark and dirty places of our hearts and letting him heal us in those deep places so that now what I do with love in a big world comes out of a place of authenticity mm-hmm. in a way that it didn't before. Like I had, I had the passion, but it didn't necessarily have all the substance, Mm. if that makes sense. Um, because sometimes that weighty substance only comes through suffering. And Paul talks about that, you know, Mm. 
Yeah. Um, so, so tell me, t- tell me about that. I, I'm very intrigued about your journey yeah. from 2008 to 2000 to today. Okay. Yes. So tell me about the things that, that you learned about God, things that God spoke to you, mm-hmm. truths, lies. What were you believing that, that wasn't true? I mean, what were, what were the things you were doing that if you could share that, that you were, that were not uh, authentic um, mm-hmm. you tell me a little bit about that, whatever you feel like you want to. Okay. I would, um, I would say that one of the biggest lies that I was believing was that I had to be perfect in order to be loved. Mm. And so I was working from that performance mentality that I had to do, do, do in order to be acceptable to God. Mm. And when everything fell apart and I was embraced for who I was, not only by, um, by my family, but also by my community, I realized that, you know, they became the hands and feet of Jesus to me in a very real way. I realized that I'm loved just because I'm his daughter and I don't have to do anything to earn that love. Um, I spent a lot of time in Song of Solomon and uh, have a tattoo to prove it <laughs> on my arm. Um, but just, seriously, and it took me a long time to get it, but just the Lord would speak to me regularly about, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. And it. I remember, too, during that season of life, um, this was 2000 this was about 2009, everything had just bottomed out. And I was thinking, what am I going to do now? Um, I'm a single mom with three kids. don't have much of an income because the work that I've been doing isn't supporting me. What do I do? And I made the decision to go to graduate school. (laughs) Yeah. Just spend more money. (laughs) Exactly. So I applied to Vanderbilt and got accepted to Peabody and decided that I could take one year and live on um, assistance, get welfare for a year. And go to Vanderbilt. (laughs) And go to Vanderbilt. Exactly. That's what's funny about it. But I did. And at the same time, I worked at the same center that I had many years ago when I was doing that after school programming Um, in college. I, I went back and worked at that center and I bartered. So I would do administrative work and curriculum preparation and development for the teachers in exchange for my kids having, um, preschool services and after school services. And it was while I was there that I realized there is no us and them because the moms that I had once looked down upon, quite honestly, thinking that I was somehow going to rescue them, I realized we're the same. Mm. We are women who love our kids and want the best for our kids. And we, we need each other. I realized how much of how much it really does take a village to come together and help one another, not just the children, but it takes a village to raise all of us. That's such um, a, that's to me, the, it takes a village is, um, sometimes such a cheesy slogan, you know, mm-hmm. people use that. I've used, I've used that. And, and this is me, um, 
confessing. I've used that kind of as a kind of as a joke, um, and it's not it's not a joke. It's it's a real deal. Um, community is yes. uh, everything. If we can't, we, when we realize when we humble ourselves enough to know that we need one another, mm-hmm. that we do need help, um, that's when real change begins to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's change that's beneficial for everyone. Yeah. That was one of the things that I learned. Cause I, I had, um, you know, I was a leader and I had people that worked with me and followed me. And I, I remember some of them saying like when everything was darkest, they looked at me and they'd say, Tamara, we always, they, we always loved you, but now we like you. <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, because you're real now. Wow. And I, yeah. How did that make you feel? Really thankful. Yeah. Incredibly thankful. And so as, as hard as that season of life was, and in some ways still is as a single mom, um, I am incredible. I'm going to cry. I'm incredibly grateful for God's, divine interruption of my life Mm. because I needed it. Mm. My kids needed it, you know? Um, And one of my favorite stories is the Velveteen Rabbit. Mm -hmm. And there's this conversation between the skin horse and the rabbit at night in the playroom. And the rabbit looks at the skin horse and says, you know, what, why are you, do you look like this? Like you're a mess. Your, your eyes are hanging out and your skin is shabby. And like, what's the deal? And, and the skin horse is like, but that's what it takes to become real. Mm. Because when you're real, all that stuff doesn't matter Mm. because you're, you're beautiful to the one who loves you basically. And, um, I'm incredibly grateful for the journey of becoming real. Mm. You're finally out fully. I think so. I mean, I don't know that I can say that with complete confidence because, you know, we're ever changing. Right. You know, it, it, More I things think come it, up. You're, as, absolutely. you're out, as far out as you know to be right now. And that's a, brokenness is the pathway to real life and a, an abundant life to me as well. Yes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as long as we are committed as believers to a transformational lifestyle, Mm -hmm. that becoming will always occur. His mercy is over the one who has a broken and contrite heart, spirit, right? I think that's a verse and I don't even know where it is, but I do know Mm -hmm. there, Mm -hmm. there is, there is that for us. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's so good. Um, so, so now fast forward to, um, to the last two years or so, where, where has God taken you with love in a big world? Yes. And if I could, I'll, I'll kind of recap. So 2010 was my year in grad school. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how I did it really. I made it through a whole year. Uh, With like three usually kids. it's a two, yeah, usually it's a two year program. I look back and I'm like, Oh, oh so you, you did it in a whole year and you didn't even realize you did it that fast. I know. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm like, that was a miracle. Thank mm-hmm. you. And then, uh, 2011 to 2015, 14, 15 ish. I was like, look, I am done 
with this whole love in a big world thing, I don't care. I don't want to do it anymore. Mm. It's too hard and it hurts and it's not going to happen. I mean, like I was, I don't know if you've ever been in those places, Eric, but I was, I was really cynical. Mm -hmm. I was hurt by this. I felt like I was teased by this vision, this Mm. calling that God had given Mm. from the, you know, from my early twenties. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's never going to happen. So I'm going to go do my own thing. So I, I kicked around in the entrepreneurial community in town, did some work in healthcare, technology, um, back in academia, actually worked at Vandy for a couple times, did freelancing, consulting, all that kind of thing. And this love in a big world thing would not leave me. And my friends who knew me well, they'd be like, so how's that going? I'm like, whatever, it's not. (laughs) And then they would keep bringing it up because they care about me and they also recognize my purpose. But I, I would just, you know, shove it off. And then, um, 2015, I got the invitation from United Methodist Publishing House to join their work Mm. and brought in everything that I've done with Love in a Big World and wasn't sure. How did you get that invitation? It's really funny. Um, so I was, I, I was working at Vanderbilt at the time at the Center for Safe and Supportive Schools with Dr. Maury Nation and loved the work that we were doing, but it was grant funded. And so our grant was about to expire. And so I was on the hunt for a job. Simultaneously, the, um, one of the HR people at the, at the publishing house was starting to look for someone and sat down in front of LinkedIn and prayed. And Holy Spirit led him to me. Oh. No joke. And I'm just like, wow, that's so amazing. And so it began this, you know, six month long conversation to see if if it was going to happen. And then once I got in there, it, it started this whole process of, okay, now she's here. What do we do with her? Mm-hmm. And oh, like and, they didn't really have a real job description for you, or what? Well, it was new ventures. So because of entrepreneurial nature with, Uh, you know, founding a profit and just, it's kind of in my DNA, my dad's an entrepreneur, my brother's one, I I just have got it. So it kind of just, yeah, what are we going to do with her now? And so, you know, it took a while to figure this out. And then we landed on, Hey, why don't we look at doing this work with love in a big world? And I am again, just so overwhelmed with gratitude both for um, the opportunity as well as the patience of my colleagues, because because if if you didn't already know this about me, I can be a, a I can be a spitfire, mm. and so <laughs> there's other words for that. What is that? Uh, well, I'm not going to say them on on this show because they're not, oh, not nice okay. words. Well, I I don't mean so the bad. good side of it. The good side of spitfire. You're a fireball. Yes. I'm like a fireball Mm -hmm. with the red hair to prove it. So Mm -hmm. it's just, um, we, they've been incredibly patient with helping me better articulate the vision. Mm. And what a blessing to have a publisher editor right there working with you to, to, Oh, I know to fulfill it's to, to kind of process out the, the full vision of this thing that had been birthed in you 20 years before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so I look back and like where I, you were asking about where I am now, I am 
I don't even have the right words. I'm just so incredibly thankful and excited to yeah. see what God's going to do because, you know, we living in Nashville, we hear stories all the time about people who come to town with their dreams and they might be the overnight success. Right. Well, some things, no, it takes 20 years, yep. you know, because, and it's about, I, I've told people this over the, over the, over time. I've said, it's not just about what I do. It's about who I am. And it's about the process that God's had to do in me to make me the person that I am today. And it's not that I have it all figured out yeah. at all, but there it's just, it's giving space for process. Yeah. And every, it really is. I remember one of my mentors years ago would tell me, Tamara, it's all about time and timing. Mm. And I get so mad at him because I, <laughs> I tend to be kind of impatient yeah. and, um, there's a lot of wisdom in that time and timing and God's timing is perfect. And when I look at the current landscape of our country and just the divisions that are happening, um, it's, it's the right time for love in a big world. Yeah, it really is. Um, what I, uh, there's so much I, I love about your story, but I love that, um, that you, you took the time and you didn't rush um, you didn't know you weren't rushing, but it just, it just it allowed God to, to really, um, help you become the person very capable and ready and confident to be able to take this vision and now steward it, uh, even better. And, uh, 20 years is nothing to him. So now I want to, I want to say, um, yes. I want, I want you to talk about this curriculum now that is coming out, um, at the end of March. Yes. Um, and I want you to just kind of talk about why it would, why it's beneficial and how people can get their hands on it. Okay. And how it works. Okay. I'll, I can do that. Okay. Um, I'm like, where do I start? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I, I just get really excited about it. I think mm-hmm. one is because um, what we've created is very multimodal. So it's, it's able to reach kids who are different types of learners. You know, you have your auditory learners and your kinesthetic learners. And, you know, so we're, we're reaching all of them because there's a host of activities that can be used, whether it's reading a storybook or journaling games, um, all sorts of different parts and pieces, but they all relate back to the core 24 character traits, things like courage, honesty, kindness, responsibility, self-control, self-awareness. And we're defining those character traits in kid-friendly language mm-hmm. so that kids can get it. Because I think even as adults, we toss around words like respect yeah. or forgiveness, but we don't always take the time to break it down even for ourselves. Well, what do we mean by respect? Mm-hmm. What does respect look like in daily life? Or what do we mean forgive someone? What, what does that really look like? Um, so we break it down and help create a common language for the kids as well as the caring adults in their lives. And those caring adults could be their parents at home, their teachers in the classroom, their, the volunteers at Sunday school. But then what happens is there's this common language. So there can be a continual conversation about these important choices that come up in life. Yeah. Um, And the way that we are offering the curriculum at this time, we're really excited about because it's new for the house is we're offering it on a digital platform where people can 
build their own curriculum. Mm. So you can look at the 24 character traits and decide, okay, I want to focus on these five, or I want to focus on these 10 at this time with my kids. And, and then you get to drag and drop, Hmm. build it out and you can either download it or you can do print on demand. Hmm. And so if you just want a downloadable copy, you know, you get it in a flash. And if you want to print on demand, it'll be a couple days, but we print it off for you and send it to you. Hmm. Um, along with that, what's really important are the storybooks. And this is kind of where we're doing that because we're providing both a church version and a community version. These storybooks become very important. So the stories are by authors like Dr. Seuss, Patricia Polacco, uh, Ezra Jack Keats, um, Patricia McKissick, like just great children's authors. So for the church version, you have the scriptural content, a story from the Gospels that illustrates the character trait, memory verses, in addition to these great stories Mm -hmm. that kids might find at the library or, you know, parents are saying, yeah, I need this to be part of the way that my kids think and feel because stories, if you look at the research and, and love in a big world's really grounded in the research, Eric. Um, but if you look at the research of Bettelheim, he talks about how stories help kids make sense of their world Yeah, and especially fairy tales. And so is, is his primary focus, but using the, the power of story to communicate these life lessons and then uh, having all sorts of activities around that. Um, and really giving us taught in parables. Exactly. So in a lot of ways, these are modern day parables and then giving people the flexibility because what we found is people want to customize what they do. Mm -hmm. I think just because of, um, where we are as a society, we don't, we don't really, respond as well as maybe we used to, to somebody telling us what to do. Yeah. We want to have the opportunity to choose ourselves. Yep. Yep. So we, we provide a, a wide variety of options and say, here, are, here are the activities that work well. You know, your kids best, you know, your, your setting best pick and choose what works for you. And they can get this f- using a, like an iPad or a mobile phone. Yes, you can. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. it will be accessible in every format. Yeah. And so it's mm-hmm. ideal for like church, um, Sunday school kids groups mm-hmm. in church, and it's ideal for community based programs or, uh, programs that are run through, uh, like public school. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's um, a different one, one takes God two. out of it and one keeps God yeah. in it. Right. Is that kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, it it really is flexible because these 24 character traits, whether you are a person of faith or not, Mm -hmm. these 24 character traits are things we all agree on as human values. I mean, I think no matter our background, we all want our kids to be aware of their purpose in life. We all want kids to cooperate with one another and with the adults in their lives. We want kids to be caring Mm-hmm. You know, so th- these are all things that we agree on and we're trying to find that common ground mm-hmm. that everybody can say, yeah, th- and keep kids at the center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I think, um, I think you're, you're doing something amazing. Uh, character is character education is from what I understand seems to be on the rise. It's something 
schools are looking for when they're seeing all the problems in the world today, whether they're public school, of course, churches are, are always teaching from that perspective, but maybe, but definitely grounded in, in their faith. But schools are, are looking for the same thing. So I'm uh, incredibly um, blown away by, by your efforts. Now, tell me about what the response has been. As an entrepreneur myself, I'm curious, <laughs> what's been the response? Um, are, do you have a marketing team, that, a sales team that are launching this to their relationships? Um, tell me about some of the feedback, early, early feedback. Well, we've, um, that's a really good question. And I would agree with you. There is a rise in interest uh, in the public sector right now. Character education falls under the terminology of social and emotional learning mm-hmm. or SEL. And, you know, the, the pendulum had swung so far in one direction with the focus on test scores that in the last couple of years, people are refocusing the conversation and realizing the need to address the whole child. Mm -hmm. And that's where social and emotional learning really comes to play Mm -hmm. and recognizing that if we can connect to kids at a relational level, then we can get them to, to learn and to perform in these academic subjects. Mm -hmm. But it really comes down to relationship. It's not about, um, this is what Dr. Nation used to say all the time. Who's Dr. Nation? He's the researcher I worked with at Vanderbilt at the Center for Safe and Supportive Schools. He's a premier youth development expert. He would say all the time, this is not about a program. Mm. Whatever you do with kids is not about a program. It's about relationship. Yeah. There are no silver bullets, but it's really about how can we get adults to connect in a healthy way with kids to have the critical conversations that need to take place to help them navigate the stuff of life. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a, a, I think a very different perspective so that as we're even talking about love in a big world, I, I'm, I can't promise that this is going to fix your problems. Yeah. What I can say is it's going to help you dig deeper with your kids and have the conversations that you need to have. Yeah. And it's great for um, parents and their kids, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we can do it be have like a, a whole, morning or evening devotional kind of thing or what? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I use it with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and have off and on throughout the years. Um, How long does it run? There's 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. So you can pick and choose. I mean, I've from the early, you were asking about early use. Um, we have several pilot sites, both in Nashville and in Houston, Texas, as well as Alabama, some in Michigan. So kind of scattered throughout the country. And they're using Love in a Big World in different settings in different capacities. So we have some Wednesday night, some Sunday morning, some Tuesday after school programming. Um, so it's, and what everybody's saying is that they, it's fun. It's engaging. They love the idea of marrying both the scripture and the storybooks because it kind of gives a more, um, holistic perspective to kids. You know, I think a lot of times we as adults think about our faith experience, just Unfortunately, this can be true. We think about our faith experience just happening on Sunday mornings or just around the Bible, but to help kids look at, oh no, you are a person of faith seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and you use that lens for everything, whether it's a storybook or a television show or a song you hear on the radio, you can look at it through the lens of, of, of your faith. 
and of character. Mm. So, um, it's, it's been really exciting and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for those who've helped and given feedback along the way. Mm. And then, um, we do have a whole team that will be helping with, uh, educating people about the opportunity yeah. and, um, and hopefully growing a movement that really, you know, cause the, that's the goal with love in a big world is let's have a centerpiece for adults and kids that we, we can define the behavioral expectations for lack of a better term. Mm. But what does it, what does it mean to be a human being in the 21st century who actually engages in an authentic way with others? Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. You're raising up generation, new generations and you, you have no idea what kind of an impact you're making. Um, and, uh, and I love that. I love what you're doing. It's a worthwhile time. I can see why Thank you, you. you have a reason to get up every morning, <laughs> right? Your work, I is, do. work is never done. No, it's not. But it's so funny. Like you're making me smile when you say that because, you know, I think that, um, when writing curriculum or, or writing articles and, and you might have the same experience with your podcast, you don't really know the impact. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. And, and so sometimes it's like, is it really doing anything good? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Um, so it's always encouraging to me to hear the stories of the people who are, you know, the boots on the ground. Yeah. And then I've just made a commitment, a, a recommitment in the last few months that I have to be, involved with kids, not just the kids that I'm parenting, but, um, kids at my church and kids in my community. And, and I want live in a big world to be my lifestyle. And for this, for the lessons to be life to them too, if that makes sense. So just being really intentional about that re-engagement. So I'm, I'm excited about how that's shaping up too. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it for you. I think it's, I think it's amazing. I love it. All right. Well, this is, uh, this has been really, really fun. I'm, uh, I'm excited that we got a chance to talk. Um, anything else that you want to say about how we can, you know, get a hold of this product, um, where, where, where we can go. I'm, I'm sure you're, you'll give us a website, and then, yes. how, you know, also social media, you know, what are some other ways that we can kind of connect and tag you and follow what you're doing? That would be great. I would appreciate it. Um, you can download a sampler at loveinabigworld.com okay. and the full suite of products will be available at the end of March. Mm-hmm. And then please join the conversation on social media, uh, Love in a Big World on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I think those are the majors. Yeah. Where we are. And, and what the other hope with social media is that we will provide content that is shareable Yeah. so that the conversation about these important topics can be continued mm-hmm. and really raising awareness, um, among adults. Cause this, my prayer for years, Eric has been that God would use love in a big world to turn the hearts of the children to to the caring adults and the hearts of the caring adults to the children. Mm, I love it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a vision right there. Okay. So, um, 
So I want to ask you some rapid fire questions to finish up. And you, I did not prepare you for this. Okay. But you're an fine. entrepreneur and that's yes. something I just learned about you. So I'm going to ask you quick questions and I want quick answers. Not, not, mm-hmm. not anything long. You don't have to. Just first thing that comes to mind. Um, so here we go. Rapid fire questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the greatest lesson you have learned? That it's not just about a product. It's about my growth as a person. I love it. What are you learning now? Right now, what are you learning? I'm learning the importance of having a good team. Hmm. And valuing and honoring the people on the team. Did you used to do it all on your own? Yes. That wasn't one of the questions. That's a follow-up question. <laughs> yes, I did. And, and, and even, even when I had a team of people, I didn't truly value them or shepherd them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's some great, I can't remember the name of it. There's a great leadership book that talks about, you know, a good leader is really a good shepherd mm-hmm. and you have to tend to tend to your people. Steward your people. Mm-hmm. Take care mm-hmm. of the the, the one as well as the 99. All right. Yep. Um, number three, how has failure shaped your life? It's taught me perseverance, sticking to it, not giving up. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you read that I should read? No, oh, that book that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> and <laughs> Um, I would say also, um, from a personal standpoint, Heinz feet on high places. Mm. That's a book that I regularly go back to. And that just the journey of much afraid, letting go of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's the journey, you know, both as a person of faith and as an entrepreneur, uh, because in entrepreneurship, you have to continually face your fears and face failure and push through anyway. Yeah. Um, Another go-to book for me all the time is Captivating by Stacey Eldridge. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's for, you think that's mostly for women? or No. No. So there you go. I, that's my stereotype. <laughs> I that's why say, I'm asking. Yeah. No, I would say for men and women. Okay. It's very insightful. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then anything by Alison Armstrong. She's okay. got a lot of really good stuff too about relationships. Alison Armstrong. All right. Yeah. And those are really, I would say, and those are relationships, not just romantic relationships, but just how men and women relate to one another, which is applicable for personal life as well as business. Okay, great. Um, what have you done that I should do? Two more questions after this. Oh, goodness. What? <laughs> That's a hard one. Um, skydiving does it have to be no i was like if you haven't (laughs) done it yet you should go to um is it cummins falls i always get them burgess falls it's burgess falls have Uh you been there i've been to cummins i love Cummins. go to burgess falls because you can really hike the falls and then swim at the big waterfall it's awesome Oh, so because cummins is the same way right because you can you can hike about 20 minutes and then you get to this amazing swimming hole Mm-hmm. Um, where there's a waterfall kind of above it. Um, is that it's different. Burgess it's, falls is like that too. Yes. It's different, but wow. similar. Very mm-hmm. cool. Okay. That's my an, favorite places. Yeah. It's for everybody in middle Tennessee. All right. I'm taking yes. my kids there. <laughs> Done this. That'll be our summer. One of our summer excursions. Okay. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to young leaders, maybe 20 years ago, your age, 
20 years mm-hmm. ago. From mm-hmm. what you've learned and experienced, what would it be? That's a really good question. Um, it doesn't have to be. Too no, deep. I no, too, not too deep. <laughs> That's what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. I would say, I would say make space for those who are older than you and have had more experience than you mm. to listen and learn to the, from their stories. Mm. Um, because I had some people who were gracious enough to do that with me and, um, continue to be gracious enough to do that with me. Cause you never stop learning, never stop growing. And, um, it's, it's been life changing. When you say gracious, that means that they, you weren't always receptive as no. receptive at the time. Yeah. No, because I thought I knew everything. Right. That's you great. know, as a 25 year old, I was like, Oh, I got this. Yeah. And yeah. Thanks. Just Thanks for your advice. Of- old, old person, gray hair. Yeah. Yeah. And they just kind of look at me and shake their heads and they're like, Oh, <laughs> and now it's funny though, how those lessons, those conversations come back to me now. And I'm like, Oh, and, and kind of with this new revelation of, so that's what they were trying to tell me mm. 20 years ago. I mm. get it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I lied. I have two, two more questions for you. Okay. Um, who do you know that I should know? Wow. These, you have really good questions, Eric. Well, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't make them up. Somebody asked them of me and I said the same thing. Okay. Okay. Um, I would say Papa Joe Bradford. Ooh. Do you now, know Papa Joe? I, I have a secret agenda because I want to get a, a person like that on the podcast. I don't know who Papa Joe Bradford is. No. He's amazing. Um, have you ever seen the movie Unconditional? Um. On Netflix. Unfortunately, I, I, if I did, it wasn't memorable to me. Okay. But I've heard of it, and I hear it's amazing. It is, and it's the story of Papa Joe's life. And he and his wife, Denise, um, they have they, – they live it. They just live it day to day, and they do a lot of work with um, kids and families in our community making a difference. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a Nashville story. Yes, now I'm it's coming to light here. I I want to. You know him? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, off air. Off air. Could you connect me? Absolutely. Off air. I love it. I love that I have, <laughs> I have this. It's I don't really have an air a show on air, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, uh-huh. Lastly, how can I add value to you? And don't say bec- with this podcast. Because I've already done that. So what's another thing I can do to add value to you? Um, I appreciate you asking. I think just helping it, uh, two things. Um, one would be helping to get the word out mm-hmm. um, about living a big world. And then the other would be just being a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because I think we as leaders need other leaders as friends too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll be your friend. Thank you. <laughs> All right. This was painless. I hope for you, those mm-hmm. rapid fire questions. I wasn't That's expecting great. to ask them, but uh, since you're an entrepreneur, I thought oh, I got to ask her. So, yeah. All right. Tamara Fike with love in a big world.com. 
an amazing story. Thanks for taking 45 minutes or so with me today, Tamara. You're, uh, you're, you're truly a gem, and we're thankful for what you're doing um, to build into God's kingdom and outside as well um, in the real world. Thank you, Eric. All right, I'm going to finish it up. And uh, you stay on the line, Tamara. I'll uh, ask you that follow-up question. But we're finishing it up here on the Courage Cast. If you'd like to connect with us, um, you go to CourageousCommunity.com. There's a link to the Facebook group. You can join that Facebook group right there um, and uh, continue the conversation. Tamara might even be there talking to you and answering some questions on this particular episode. So, um Friends, uh, thanks for uh, spending some time with me today, and I'll be back again on the next episode of Courage Cast. Oh, oh, oh.